You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Janda. Hey everyone, it's Michael Jammon. Welcome back for another episode. I may be retitling my the name of my episode, my uh, podcast, so I'm going to be vague. Right. I'm going to be vague for everyone, but I'm here with my next guest, Adam Pava, who is a very talented writer. I worked with many years ago on a show called Glenn Martin DDS, and he works. We'll talk. I'll let you speak in a second, Pava. You just relax. I'm going to bring you on with a proper introduction because you've worked a lot, uh, a, a lot of features, a lot of animation. So I'm going to run through some of your many credits. Some of them are, are credited and some of them are, are just um, are not so credited. We're going to talk about that, even though you've done the work. So I think you started early on, in, on you know, shows like Clone High, Johnny Bravo. I'm going to skip around. You worked with us on Glenn Martin DDS. But then you've also done uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, Dragons. Uh, I'm going to jump around. Uh, but wait, hold on. I'm skipping a lot of your credits, Pablo. Um, a lot of the box trolls you've done, you work a lot with uh, with Lord and Miller on all their stuff, all like the Lego movies, Goblins. Um, you have something in the works with Leica, which is one of the big animation studios, uh, which you're, you're attached to direct as well. Uh, what, oh, and, and then also some other shows. Let's mention um, My Little Pony. Let's, what, what else, should we, what are, Dreamland? What else should we talk about? The, Bunch of the it's hard movies. to talk about. It's hard to talk about the credits because so many of them are things that are either in production or development that they're not supposed to talk about yet, or they're things that I was uncredited on. And so and, it's a weird. And why thing are you, you uncredited? What? How does well, that work? It's super different from TV and movies. So back when I worked in TV, I did TV. I mean, back when we worked together, you know, it was like what 10, 15 years ago, something like that. But I did it. Mm-hmm. I did TV for like the first decade of my career, and everything you work on you're credited right even if you're just like the staff writer in the corner right. who says three words and doesn't make a get a joke into the script you're one of the credited writers right movies are a different situation like it's like one of these dirty secrets of hollywood where they always want to credit one writer or a team of writers sometimes it'll be you know two writers that get the credit if both of them did a huge chunk of the work but the thing that usually happens these days on big studio movies anyway is they will go through three or four writers over the course of the years and years of it being in development and all those writers who worked on it before mm-hmm. the final writer or sometimes like just the first writer and the last writer will get credit and all the ones in the middle won't get credit um or it's like you know the wga has these um these arbitration rules where it's like unless you did um a certain percentage of the final shooting script uh, you're not going to get credit at all. So even though like, you know, the guy who brings catering gets credit and like, you know, yeah. every, every person on. So but it's will like you arbitrate like, I, for credit or do you go into these projects knowing that you're not going to get credit? Um, usually I go in knowing that I'm not going to get credit or mm-hmm. I will. Um, sometimes there'll be a situation like on, um, I did about a year's worth of work on the Lego movie, the first Lego movie. Right. And, you know, Phil and Chris, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who directed that and, and wrote the first draft of the script and the final draft of the script, um, they're buddies of mine. And so I'm not right. going to arbitrate against them. Right. Um, and I, I want them to hire me in the future. And I and I, I love them. And they they really wanted their written and directed by, you yeah. know, title. And so, um, of course, I'm not going to arbitrate in that sort of yeah. situation. And also, to be fair, I don't think I would win that arbitration because they wrote the first draft and it was already the idea and it was brilliant and it came out of their minds and it was awesome. Right. And then they had me do four or five drafts in the middle of there where I was just d- addressing all the studio notes and all the l- notes from, 
you know, the Lego Corporation and all the notes from like Lucasfilm really? and all that kind of stuff while they're off shooting 21 Jump Street. Um, and then and so they you were just back. doing it to move it closer and then they would, they knew they exactly. Were yeah. Um, exactly. They knew they were coming back onto it and they were going to direct it and they would do another pass. They would do multiple passes because once it goes into storyboarding, once it's greenlit. So I was just trying to get it to the greenlit stage. So mm -hmm. they had written a draft. And then I did a bunch of drafts um, addressing all these notes. And then we got a greenlit off of my drafts. And then they came back on and they start the storyboard process and directing process. And the story changes so dramatically during that process anyway, that the final product is so far removed from the drafts I did anyway. But I, I had a, it was a valuable, you know, my, my work was like needed to get it to that point to where they mm -hmm. can jump back onto it. But um like very little of that final movie is anything that I can take credit for. And I, and I wouldn't want to take credit away from them on that. Would, so I do a lot they, of that kind of work. Did they have a lot of, did they have other writers that worked on Lego's movie as well, or just you? On the first one, it was them and me. There was these two brothers, the Hageman brothers who had done a mm -hmm. very early treatment, but um, that had like set up the real original idea for the movie of like a Lego man sort of coming alive. Um, yeah. uh, and so they got a story by credit. Um, and then there, there were, they definitely always have like a stable of writers that they bring in to do punch up work and to mm -hmm. just like watch the animatics and give notes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, there's wow. a whole bunch of people that are um, contributing along the way. Funny. Cause um, they come from TV. So they really run it. Yep. They run it yep. like as if they're still on TV. A hundred percent. Yeah. They have like their writers. And so I've gotten to work on a lot of their projects sort of as one of their staff writer type people, basically yeah. is like the idea. So it's all uncredited work, you know, but um, it's great work. They're such yeah. great guys and you're working on really cool things every time. Um, and so now there's a new, in the last few years, like the WGA um, started this new thing called additional literary material credit. Mm -hmm. um, and so if I were to have, if Lego were to have come out now, I think I would have gotten that credit on it. Um, right. But at the time that didn't exist. So I got a special thanks. And how did you, oh really, okay. And how did you uh, <laughs> meet these guys? Mm. They gave me my first ever job before I knew you. I mean, they, uh -huh. I had written uh, a movie script that was an animated movie. This is like 99 or 2000. Um, I was like just out of grad school. I wrote it while I was in grad school. And um, Wait, I hold on, what, I didn't even know you went to grad school. Did you study screenwriting in grad school? Yeah, I went to USC screenwriting. Oh, yeah. I did not. So I, hide it, I hide it from you. Why do you Why do you hide it from me? I don't. I don't know. It's like a weird thing where I feel like, a, it's like I was in this weird secondary program that wasn't part of the film school. It was the Masters of Professional Writing in screenwriting, and so okay. people would get confused, and I didn't want to like lead them on. But also, I just feel like. It got me to a place and then I was like, I didn't want to be like part of a good old boys club where people are just hiring USC people or whatever. Um, so that's so, the whole point of going to USC for. for yeah, I was. Isn't I, because I, 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 people ask me, should I go to film school, get an MFA? And I see I, you, you, my standard answer is no one will ever ask for your degree. No one cares about your degree. No. The only thing they care about is can you put the words on the page that are good? hundred percent. But so, but why did you? But what it there? did, what it did offer me, and I'll get back to how I met Phil and Chris in a little yeah. bit. But this is a good side uh, conversation. Like, it gave me an opportunity to do some internships on a couple TV shows, and that was super, super valuable. So when I was at USC, it was ninety nine and two thousand, and so I interned my first year on a little show called Friends, 
which was uh, still on the air. At the, yeah, I was on the air at the time. I was just like the stage intern. So I was like moving the chairs around during right. the rehearsals and fetching, you know, coffees and getting frozen yogurt for right. cast members or whatever. Like just, you know, shitting my pants, trying yeah. to like be a normal human being around all these superstars. Um, yeah. And it was uh, not like, I wouldn't say it was the best experience of my life. It was definitely one of those things where I was like, everybody was super intimidating and everybody was really busy and the cast were, were like in the middle of a renegotiation so they were all showing up late and it, it just felt like everyone was angry the whole time and i was like yeah. i don't know if i want to work on tv mm -hmm. um, but there was one writer's assistant who was just like yeah because you're on the stage you need to you're a writer you need to be in a writer's room you should like be an intern in a writer's room and i was like oh and then so i was able to get an internship on um malcolm in the middle which had just uh sold and it was in his first year so right. i started it was like a summer show so i jumped onto that in the summer and was able to do that and then in that writer's room i was like oh these are my people these are actually like you were an intern they let you sit in the writer's room one it was like i for every like you know for all, doing all like getting the lunches and making the coffee and all that stuff they would like linwood was nice enough to like let me just yeah. observe in the room for like one day a week just to like well if i didn't have other stuff i needed to get done right. you know um so it was super nice as long as i didn't pitch or say anything right and i was just i never would um but it was cool to like that experience showed me like because that show was so well written and it yeah. was so tight and those writers were all like geniuses or i thought they were all geniuses and then i'd go in the room first i would read the scripts and i would think oh my god this is i'd never be able to do this yeah and then i got in the room and I'm like, oh no, they're just working really, really hard and like banging their head against the wall until they come up with a perfect joke. Yeah. And then by the time it's done, it seems like it's genius, but it all was just really hard work, yeah. really long hours to get to that place. Um, so that taught me like, oh, maybe I can be one of those people. If I'm just one cog in this room, I could do that, you know? Right. And, and so that gave me sort of the confidence to do that. But so I had um, done those getting back i can loop back into the phil and chris thing now yeah this actually uh connects really well i had done those internships i graduated usc and i had this script that i'd written as like my my final project or whatever and it was an animated movie um and i thought you could just sell an animated movie but i didn't know they didn't teach me this in grad school that at the yeah. time they developed them all in-house. It was like only Disney and DreamWorks were doing them at the time. This is 2000. Um, and they just hire, you know, directors and, uh, and storyboard artists in-house to sort of create the stories. Or back then, that's how they would do it. And so I sent it to some um, agents and the response was always like, hey, you're a really funny writer. This is really good. I can't sell this. I don't know anybody yeah. that buys animated movies, but you should write a live action movie um, if you can write it as good as this. And so I wrote another movie that was live action, but it was silly. It was like, it seemed like it might as well have been an, I, I go back and read it now and I'm like, it's basically an animated movie, but it didn't say it was animated. It was live action human mm -hmm. beings. Um, and I submitted it to a small boutique agency at the time called Broder. I don't know if you remember that. Broder, Curl, and uh, Bowefner, we were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Matt Rice was, on, was an agent there at the time and he mm -hmm. had, um, on his desk, his assistant was Bill Zotti. I don't know if you know him. He's like a no. big name uh, agent now, but he was an assistant at the time. He read that script that I wrote and was like, oh, you know who this reminds me of? These other clients that Matt has, Phil and Chris. And so he passed it on to those guys and they were looking for a writer's assistant on Clone High because they had just sold their first TV show. Right. They were young hotshot writers that were just like, yeah. deal. 
And uh, so they, Phil and, I met with Phil and Chris and they hired me as the writer's assistant on Clone High, which mm-hmm. was like, they, they were the same age as me. They were just like, we don't know what we're doing. And, but they're like, you've been in a writer's room. You've been on in Knock in the Middle and at Friends and you don't right. know. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was doing at all, but it said on my resume that I had had these, these uh, experiences. So wow. they thought I would be a good writer's assistant for that reason. And, but they were the coolest dudes. Like from the very beginning, they were just like, you're the writer's assistant, but also you should pitch in the room. You should like act like you're another writer. We have a really small staff. Mm-hmm. Like we have seven writers and you're going to get episode eight. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. Like they were just right. like, they gave wow. me a free mask. They were like, and that never happens anymore. And like, how did they is, get an overall deal when they, they didn't? They came, oh my, it's the craziest thing. So <laughs> they were, they went to Dartmouth. They met each other at Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. And then they were doing cartoons while they were there setting animation. And one of Phil's, wow. I think it was Phil or not sure. I think it was Phil won the student Academy award, like for an, for a student film that he did. Mm-hmm. And it was written about in the Dartmouth alumni magazine. And there was a development exec at oh, Disney wow. who was like, whose son went to Dartmouth and read that article and was like, Hey, like called them in their dorm room. And we're like, if you guys ever go out to LA, uh, wow. let me know. We'll set a meeting. And they literally the day after they graduate just drove to LA and then like, called them up and we're like, we're ready to get hired. <laughs> and it worked and they got and hired. Worked. They got hired just to do Saturday morning stuff, you know? And wow. they did that for a little bit and everything they were doing was too crazy for Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, uh, it was so, it was like Disney. and But then Disney was like, well, you can start developing stuff for like, um, you know, our adult Disney, or like, you know, like for primetime stuff. And so they came up with the idea for Clone High and it originally sold to Fox as a pilot to mm-hmm. be like after the Simpsons or whatever, but then think it picked up and then MTV picked it up right. and then they had a show. So it's crazy. What a, what a, what a trajectory their career has. Yeah, has had. I know. And now they're running Hollywood. Yeah, so. pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> well, yeah, they were good guys to meet right away. I mean, like, honestly, it was like to become friends with them and just to ride their wake and get some of their yeah. sloppy seconds and some of their, like the stuff that they don't want to deal with. Like I, I it's, Honestly, it was great. Like, you know, it's like, did they call they, you a lot with stuff like that? Like, hey, we don't want to do less this. Yours. Now than they used to. I mean, there was a point where I was one of their like stable of guys that they would call. I think um, they have met a lot, a lot of people, you yeah. know, in the 20 years since then, you know. Yeah. Um, but early on, it was like, I mean, even like their first movie was Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Mm-hmm. And they brought me on to like help rewrite the third act at one point and just like you know it was just like from from then on and like they would always send me their scripts and just add jokes or to give feedback or whatever yeah um and they've always been like that and then like the, i feel i've noticed like the last maybe six or seven years as they've got these huge deals and all the projects are now just these massive things yeah it's not quite the same relationship where they would just text yeah. me or email me and be like hey read this now it's like they have a whole team of people they have so a machine like, now right yeah yeah um but you know we still are friends so it's like and then things will come up where they'll hire me for things here and there um like i wonder where honestly yeah well i don't want to make this interview about them but it's, <laughs> it's so interesting like i kind of think they i wonder what it's like to be that busy it almost feels like oh my god i'm too busy <laughs> you know they're so oh, busy they, they are the hardest working people i know it's like people really? always wonder how their stuff comes out so good and it's not that i mean honestly it's just because they stay up later than everybody they never Mm. stop tinkering with things they are never satisfied they always think the next thing they do is going to ruin their career and so they're just they run they run on like this 
fear that propels them that they know, I mean, they harness it, you know, it's not like, it's like a secret. They know that this is what makes them great. And, uh, and, you know, utilizing all their friends, utilizing every, like they're, they're the the kind of people that are like the best idea in the room wins. If you're, you could be the PA or the head of the studio. And if you have a great idea, they're like, let's try it, you know? And they also try a lot of stuff that doesn't work and they're given the leeway to go down a lot of dead ends and then realize that's not the answer and then back up and then try it again and try it again and try it again. And that's how a lot of animated movies are done. And so it drives yes. everybody crazy, but also creates amazing product, you know? That's what uh, I, cause I, I've interviewed a couple of guys who worked at DreamWorks uh, yeah. with John Abel, who does a lot of the Kung Fu oh, yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. And he's he great. describes it the same way. I was like, wow, it's so different from writing live action. It's so different from writing live mm-hmm. action. The whole experience sounds exhausting to me. Do you find it the same? Yeah. I mean, I, when I first started in it, I was like, this is ridiculous. Why don't they just write a script and then shoot the script? And like, yeah. you know, and then I, over the years, I've learned to love the process. I mean, I, I was frustrated early on when I would realize like how much gets thrown out and how much changes and how much it's just like, like it's out of the hands of one writer and I think a lot of it is also just ego thinking that you could do it better than everybody and then once Mm -hmm. I embraced like oh no you have like a bunch of really brilliant storyboard artists and you have a bunch of really brilliant like character designers and head of story and a director and all these different people who um and layout artists and like you know even the animators themselves like they, they all add something so vital and valuable to it and you learn stuff from each of their steps and then Mm -hmm. you're just given the leeway to be able to like keep adjusting and adjusting until you get it right. And that's why animation comes out so much tighter often than, than live action. That's just because you've been able to see the movie so many times and keep Mm -hmm. tweaking and tweaking until you get it right. Now there is a point where sometimes I feel like you can take that too far and then it just becomes like, uh, we had a great version four four drafts ago, and now we've lost our way, or like we're just spinning our but wheels. See, that's or why I get lost because sometimes we, I've been in shows where you rewrite something to death, mm-hmm. and then you're like, and then someone says we should go back to the way it was, and I'm like, what was the way it was? I don't even mm-hmm. remember anymore. You know, hundred percent, yeah. And you, I've stopped ever thinking you can do that. Like I used to think I would hold out hope that they'll realize that the earlier draft was better they mm-hmm. never do it's like you yeah. everybody forgets it and then you just have to like have the confidence to be like well we know we'll come up with something better together that'll be from the, the collaborative mind of all of us and then you know i think now i've seen actually in the last few years there's a little bit of a tightening of the belt like budgetarily and that mm-hmm. leads to faster schedules and so instead of having like seven times that you can throw the story up from beginning to end on the storyboards like the reels mm-hmm. and watch this movie you have you can only do it three times or right. like you know and so that gives you a little bit more of a window of like okay we got to get it right in three drafts or whatever in three storyboard drafts and who's um, driving the ship then in animation is it not the director you're in this case it's lord and miller but they're the right well, lord and miller are often the directors and oh. so when they're the directors they're in charge when they're the producers they're in charge Right. Um, so if they, when they're like on the Spider-Verse movies, for example, mm-hmm. they're not, they, they're the writer or Phil writes them and then he, they hire directors, but Phil and Chris are the producers, but they're sort of like these super directors. They're very <laughs> unusual. Yeah. It's not yeah it's that's an unusual situation, but yeah. other movies, like somebody do at DreamWorks or somebody do at Leica, you know, the director in the, with Leica, it's like 
the director and the head of the studio, Travis Knight, who is like, it's his sandbox and it's his money because he's a billionaire that funds right. the studio. Um, he has the ultimate say. And so the directors are always kind of working with him, but it's like, yeah. he, that, but it's always collaborative. It's always like you, you're, you get in a room. So when I'm working at Leica, it's always like me, the director and Travis, like trying to figure it out, you know, and he's trusted me to like be a, I mean, he, I, I feel like he uh, doesn't trust a lot of people because he's, mm -hmm you know, kind of closed off in that way. And, but like, once you earn his trust, like you, you'll be in that room and you'll figure it out together or whatever. But every movie's different, you know? And sometimes I'm on a movie just to like help fix it for a little bit, you know? And then like, I'm just a fix it person that comes in for a little bit. Sometimes I just add jokes, um, mm. you know? Sometimes I just, like there's been movies where I've like, it was like a, a mystery animated movie. And they're like, can you just rewrite the mystery? And I was like, what, what a weird assignment. But I had like, Three weeks to but like, in this case they're calling you how are you getting this work just reputation they're calling you out of nowhere mostly now it's reputation i mean sometimes i'll be submitted to it you know um like i mean the first time it's always like you have to be submitted and you i mean like i can tell you how i got hired on box scrolls because that was a big breakthrough to me because that was yeah. um i mean it was after i'd done like so lego was obviously just having known and worked with phil and chris forever and then they got hired on jump street and they needed somebody that they trust trusted to like Steer the ship for a while while they're gone and so right. i was able to do that and that was like a huge like big break it was like you can't you can't ask for that like you know i just i'm the luckiest guy in the world but after that um you know at leica they needed they had a, a draft of a movie before it was called box trolls it was called here be monsters mm -hmm. and they had been it had been in develop, development for years and years and years and uh, gone through a bunch of writers and it hadn't quite they hadn't quite figured it out it was kind of a mess it was a big sprawling story that had a lot of moving parts to it um and uh they had heard that on lego i was able to sort of harness a lot of like the crazy ideas that phil and chris had and put it into a structure that made sense mm -hmm. um and so they asked me to come in and do the same thing. Or before they even did that, I just did a, I did a, um, a punch up. Like I, did, I got hired to do a punch up on that movie, and it was I knew that it was going to be like a huge opportunity to impress them because I really, really wanted to work at Leica because they don't at the time they had only had Coraline come out and I loved right. that movie, and then I had seen like a, maybe maybe Paranorman had come out or it hadn't come out yet, but it was like about to whatever. It was like, I knew I want, it was a new animation studio doing really unique original stuff. Mm -hmm. And I got asked to be part of this round table and it was all these like heavy hitter, like Simpsons writers. I was like, you know, it was like Jake Hogan and mm -hmm. Gamble and Pross and like, you know, all these people that you're like, these yeah. are all legends. They've done a million shows mm -hmm. and they get hired to do punch-ups all the time. That's like their bread and butter, right? Um, and I'm not so like, sure anymore, but okay. Maybe, maybe no, no, that. but this is like, this is, you know, in 2011 or whatever, you okay. know, so, um, and I was like, I am going to take this script and like analyze it and come up with like, like character moments and come up with, like, I, I'm not gonna be able to compete with those guys with like the best joke in the room necessarily. I'll have good jokes to pitch, but right. I'm going to have like, oh, what if we adjust the character to be more like this? And then that, and where those guys were all, not those guys specifically, but the room in general, these are all guys who were like maybe reading five pages ahead and then, mm -hmm. you know, you yeah. know, pitching off the top of their head. And I spent a couple of days writing jokes in the margin and ideas in the margin. And I like killed in that, in that room. I just like, I got a lot of stuff in. And to the point where like a few months later when they needed a big overhaul, 
they asked me to come in and do sort of what I had done on Lego, just take this big thing and hone it down into, so it was a rewrite job at the beginning. And then it turned into like three years of working with the director in the studio to like change that story. Like we threw everything out and started over basically a couple of times over the course of those years. But how are you getting paid? Had... Are you getting paid on a weekly scale? Because I don't know how that would work. Do you get paid? Yeah, a... it starts off with a draft and then, uh -huh. um, and then it's like, a, you know, it'll be a, Trip, a typical thing like a draft and two rewrites right and then mm -hmm. but you quickly run through those right and then they keep needing your you know All right, your so work at least they're not getting free work out of you they're picking no up. then it turns into like either a day rate or a weekly rate right and that's where i bought my house you know <laughs> like, <laughs> right like, like I, I made so much money on like my day rate on, like they would literally just like Leica would call me and just be like oh we just we're going to record um, you know, an actor in a few days, can you just go through all of their scenes and write like three or four alts for every joke? Mm -hmm. Just have a bunch of stuff. And I would spend a few days doing that. And then a day rate, you get paid really, really well. So yeah. that, that stuff adds up. Or they would be like, we just need one more pass on the third act, or we just need, we just need to go through the whole script and remove this character. And like, so all these like little weekly assignments. And then you're just like, it just, that paid, that was very lucrative, you know, right. <laughs> doing it that way. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you, and it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watch list. Do you usually, because you've done so much animation, do you prefer? And it sounds like that you always set out to do animation. Is that? I did set out to do it. And then like, I, I didn't set out to only do it. I thought I could do both, but you kind of get pigeonholed a little bit. Like I, mm -hmm. it's hard. I've gotten hired to write a few live action movies, but they were always like a live action movie that had an animation element to it. Mm -hmm. Like it'd be a hybrid movie or it'd be a family movie that they think, oh, because you've done family work, you can do this. But nobody would ever hire me to just do like, a horror right. movie or whatever. And I don't know if I'd be the right guy for that either. Right. I think my sensibility like tends to be more animation uh, based, but it's it also, I think, you know, movies are such a different thing than TV where there's like, it's, they're so expensive. You know, if you're mm -hmm. spending $80 million or whatever, you want to hire somebody that's done it before, you mm -hmm. know? So it's really, really hard for the studio bosses or even like the lower level executives to like fight to hire you if you've never done that kind of thing before. Yeah. And so you kind of get like, you know, it's not pigeonholed because I love doing it and I, and I love the work, but it's also like, I get why I get hired for certain things and not for other things. But also I feel super lucky because animation is one of the only like parts of, or the only genres of, uh, film that has not shrunk over the years like you know movies in general yeah like they stopped making live action comedies almost completely except for yeah. some stuff on streamers they don't make rom-coms anymore they barely make action comedies you know it's like they make superhero movies and you know star wars movies you know yeah but they, but then animation movies are evergreen and so yeah. i feel really lucky that i sort of fell into this area that uh that there is still work to be had so yeah, I mean, because you really have put together, I mean, a really pretty impressive career. And I know not all your credits 
not all your work is credited, but so what? I mean, you're. Yeah. Well, it's like it's either uncredited or there's so many projects that like died on the vine. So it's like you read my, you know, I sent you that yeah. sort of list of credits and it's like, I'm looking it over earlier today. I'm like, like, oh, it's just a list of dead projects. <laughs> You know, um, but that's expected know. when you go into you go, okay, uh, you know, yeah. they're, not, they're not all gonna go. That's expected. Yeah. That's all right. I was looking at my like, I was organizing my, you know, it's a strike, so I have time to do these things, organizing my folders on my computer and yeah. like putting everything in. And it's, and I had like over 150 folders of each one is its own project, you know, and not all wow. of those are work that I've done. Some of them are like, I got sent this thing like to pitch on and then I had one meeting and it went away. Yeah. And some of them I did, you know, a few weeks on or some of them I just did day work on, but like 150 projects over the years. Yeah. Some of them I'm on for a year or two, you know, or three yeah. years, you know, so it's insane. And like, so the hit, to, the hit ratio is like super low of like, the, like I got really lucky uh, when I transitioned out of TV and went into movies, it was like, the first two things, well, I told a thing to DreamWorks that didn't get made, but then right after that, it was like Lego and Box Trolls. They both came out in 2014 and I worked on both of them and I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. Like you work on a movie and then it comes out and yeah. then it's like cut to 10 years later and it's like nothing else with my name on it has come out. <laughs> you know, I've worked steadily. I've worked really well. I've, you know, been very happy, but it's like, you know, it's definitely like, it's a different thing than TV where you're just working and uh, and getting credited all the time, you know? Well, yeah, but it also sounds like, I don't know. It sounds like to me, maybe I'm wrong. It sounds like you have, you, you don't need to hustle as much doing what you do. No, it's like, I feel like it's the opposite. Cause like on TV, you can get on a show and you're running for years, but on a movie, you're always, you always, know yeah, but, you, but, it, but they're coming to you. People are coming to you with offers in other words. Oh yeah. Sometimes. I mean, yes. Like the ones that end up happening, that's, True, but like, there's so many that I'm just on a list at the studio, but I'm on a, in a bake-off with six oh. other writers and I don't get it. Right, you know, so you like, put a lot of work, so people don't know what a bake-off is. So this is when you have to pitch to get the job and you have to put in yeah, several yeah. weeks of work. That's exactly. That's just the worst, that's just the it's worst. Like, and that's the majority of my life. Oh, is you it? Know, that's like, yeah, yeah. So it's like, there's definitely like, I mean, between Phil and Chris and Leica, I have in a little bit of DreamWorks now. I'm doing my third movie for them right now. So that's pretty good over 10 years, three movies. Uh -huh. But like other than those places, um, it's always like, you know, you're you're getting sent stuff and then but that doesn't mean like they want you. It just means they want to hear a bunch of takes, you know? And so you yeah. have to like um try to like fight for the job if you really want it. Or like, and I, I there I used to spend so I used to spend months or like, you know maybe a month coming up with the take and having every detail worked out. And then I realized over time, like they don't actually want that. They want like a big idea and some themes and like some ideas oh, really? of what the set pieces are, but like they, you know, they, and they want to know that you, I mean, honestly, it's like, it's such a, like, I don't even recommend that young writers go out for them because you're not going to get it anyway, because mm -hmm. they're always going to go with somebody that, has done it before like especially i mean not always if you could like you might be the rare exception but like well so then much what do you recommend to young writers to do dude i don't know like i mean i think you have to write great samples i mean i think that's the main thing is like have samples that show that exactly what your voice is and exactly uh -huh. what makes you different than everybody else and what you can bring to the table that nobody else can i think mm -hmm. that's the first thing um but to get like those open writing assignments i i, I think it's just a fool's errand to even try because they're yeah. they're they're just 
so risk adverse to hire anybody that hasn't done it before. I think you're, the better shot that you have is to make smaller things mm -hmm. and then they, then they'll see you've done, it. you know, it's right. like not even try to get these big studio things, get a small right. indie thing if you're going, if you can, or make your own thing, if you can, or yep. like, um, just try to work your way up in a smaller way. I mean, like all the big name directors out there all started on small indie movies. And I think that's gotta be the same for, yeah. for writers now too, because there's, there's so many fewer movies. Do you, is there anything that you're doing on the side just for the love of it that you're creating for yourself? Or is it, I mean, you, you know, I haven't in the last few years, I haven't because I've just been busy with work. But like yeah. during the pandemic, I had plenty of time because nobody was buying movies and I right. had like wrapped up on something and I had an idea that I thought was going to be my next big sale. And then it was an idea about a, a virus that went, uh, it was a comedy thing, but it was right. like, um, it was this idea where it was like it was sort of based on the idea that christmas is getting longer and longer every year where um you know people put up their lights and their and the yeah. decorations sooner and sooner and you start seeing the stuff for sale at you know at, in october at or whatever yeah at Halloween. and so i was like oh it felt like christmas was like a virus that was slowly taking over the world and i was like what if it's like a zombie movie but christmas is the virus and so it was sort of a christmas apocalypse oh. thing you know where christmas takes over the world and one family didn't get infected and had to fight back so i was like this is gonna be a big seller and then i was like and then COVID hit yeah. and it was like nobody wanted to buy a no. thing about, about a virus taking over the world and so i literally spent the pandemic to answer your question i wrote it as a novel instead i wrote it as like a middle grade novel oh um, yeah why it was a YA novel. Did, yeah, you, and so. did you publish it? Uh, not yet. We're trying. So we're like out to publishers and we're like, you know, it took a while to like figure out like literary agents, which are this very different world and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, but the idea is to hopefully like sell it as a book and then be able to adapt it as a, as yes. a feature. Um, right. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was so fun to write and it was like so freeing to like not be stuck in like 110 pages and mm -hmm. like have to have like i mean i already had the whole thing outlined from the pitch when i was going to pitch it so i knew the structure of it so i just right. kept it as the structure oh, of a movie but i expanded on it and got more into the characters heads and that kind of stuff but i had such a fun time writing that and i was just like man someday when the work dries up i am gonna look forward to writing novels instead and oh uh, yeah the funny thing is when you describe the literary word going out to publishers it's not that different from hollywood you no. think it is it's not it's the same hell you know oh, absolutely and they but the different it's like but you and i haven't had to deal with breaking into hollywood in a long time uh -huh. and then in the literary world they're like oh you've written movies we don't care oh whatever you, you know we don't care at all yeah yeah so yeah. it's like starting over you know and like you know, you're in UTA, like tried to help a little bit, but they were like, oh, we don't really know what to do. And then, so it's like, I've been sort of like, you know, my, my manager has been introducing me to like uh, editors and stuff, like, you know, literary editors, and they've been really receptive and it's been good trying to find the right one and like the mm -hmm. person I, I jive with. But it's it's very much like, oh, you're starting from scratch all over again. Yeah. And for less, and, for uh, way less money. No money. I mean, literally, it's like, <laughs> like, oh, you cannot, I don't know how you would make a living off of this. I mean, I think we're spoiled a little bit, but like, yeah. um, I mean, what not was that the, like, what was the money they were telling you? Can you say? I don't want to say, you don't say, but it was basically like about, it was less than a tenth that I would get paid yes. on a movie, you okay. know? Um, yeah. You know, and it's like, I mean, it would be like, it was about my weekly rate so like you know i was telling right. you i do weekly jobs on movies right and it's like that if i do a, a weekly on a studio movie or i could sell a novel 
Right. <laughs> or you can work five years on a novel. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is not a way to su support a family, but wow. it was really fun. Like someday when I'm just doing it for fun, I would love to do it. Yeah. Wow. How interesting. Wow. So, so you, what, so your best advice, because you're not an animator, you're not even an artist, are you? No, I don't draw or anything. Right. I just love animation. I just always loved animation. So I don't know. I, I think when I was like in seventh grade, when the Simpsons started, you know, mm -hmm. and that blew my mind. And I was like, I remember telling my dad, like, I think I want to write on this, you know, and right. just like, it was the first time I recognized like, oh, people are writing these jokes. It was very like, I think more self-aware than most comedy was, you know? Yeah, and so, yeah. uh, and I, and I, I was like, you know, in junior high and I was just like, I want to be a writer on a show like this. And like, right. I never was a writer on that show, but you know, a bunch of other stuff. So, um, now as far as directing, cause I know you're attached to possibly direct this project. Hmm. What, where does your, where does your confidence come from that? To direct? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I have confidence in it. I mean, like, I would want to, like, co-direct it. Like, in animation, you often get paired with another. Right. Like, if you're a writer, you'd get paired with, like, a, an experienced animation director who comes from mm -hmm. the, the visual side. So right. either, like, an animator or a storyboard artist or right. uh, visual development artist. Um, and uh, I would, I just feel like the things, some of the projects I've been doing, you sort of act as more than just a writer anyway. Like, you're you're sort of meeting with, the creative heads all the time making these big decisions that affect the projects and yeah. at a certain point i'm like well if i write something like that project that's at life that i was attached to co-direct it probably won't even happen at this point it's been a few years and it's uh -huh. kind of sitting there waiting for travis to decide if he wants to make it right. um but um it was like a personal project to me and it was like this would be the one that i was like i would really want to see this all the way through and i'm sure at that studio at this point he's travis himself who runs the studio is kind of directing all the latest projects anyway so i would be with co-directing with him and so he would really be in charge and i would just be right they're up in Seattle, right uh portland yeah portland, portland they're in portland yeah, yeah so do you go up there a lot for yeah when i'm like on a project so usually it's like um if i'm just like writing it before it's greenlit which is most of the time i'll just fly up there for meetings just mm -hmm. to get launched or whatever and then go back up after i turned it in to get notes but right. if it's in production like on, on box trolls uh and then there's another upcoming one that i did a bunch of production work on like they'll fly me up there to like work with the board artists and stuff and that's a crazy that place is so nice it's like a it's like a wonderland i mean it's like this giant warehouse yeah downstairs that they have all the stages and they're all covered yeah. with like black like velvet rope i mean black, black velvet curtains so to keep all the light out and everything and right. that's where they're moving all the puppets and everything yep. in stop motion and then upstairs it's like the offices and it just feels like a corporate office <laughs> building with cubicles and stuff it's very weird uh but you go downstairs and it's like there's people animating there's this huge warehouse where they're building all the props and mm -hmm. another they're, they're like armature section where they're adding all like the, yeah. the skeletal skeletal arm armature to the you never went and... with us too because cuppa was like that in yeah, Cuppa, yeah, yeah. cup of coffee in toronto when they did mm -hmm. where we did uh glenn martin yeah it was amazing similar but like cuppa is doing it on a budget and these guys are like yeah. spending so much money it's not a viable like way to make money like to make these animated the stop motion animated movies they don't do it to make money like he does it because he loves it oh really uh, but oh my gosh yeah because he's travis knight is like the son of um phil knight who've gone to oh. Knight, so he's got sort of 
a lot of money and it's his hobby shoe money. you know yeah he's got shoe money yeah. but he he's a brilliant animator he's a super smart like interesting dude who wants to make things that are different than anybody else and so mm -hmm. it's like it's an amazing place to work because <clears throat> you kind of nowhere else do you ever have the conversation of like oh we could do this if we wanted to do it where more people would see it or we could do it this way which is cool and we want to do this because it's fun and weird and right. you know like it's like he kind of like not that he doesn't care about an audience he does care about an audience but he it's not like most important to him is making something that's art. awesome to him yeah. for the art yeah um and so it's a very different way of looking at things but like i've been in situations there where it's like we're doing like upstairs doing a rewrite in, with like me and the director um like changing the whole third act or whatever and then i go downstairs and like just tour the the stages and the, and the workshops and i'll meet like a puppeteer who's like building this giant puppet who's like so like telling me like this is the biggest puppet that's ever been created in stop motion and here's like the 17 different places where i can articulate it and i'm just mm -hmm. thinking like dude we cut that yesterday upstairs. oh no that's, and he's been working on it for like a month <laughs> you know oh, but no. i can't say anything i'm just sort of like oh yeah that's awesome it's so great you're doing great work anyway i'm gonna get back upstairs oh, you know that's like, so heartbreaking uh, but like they they burn through so much money like just doing it all by hand it's so yeah. crazy uh, but it's so beautiful you know so i love it and so you were literally upstairs like you know you, they give you a small office and you just start typing yeah that's literally i mean usually when i'm there it's like they just put me in some random cubicle that nobody else is using there, or it's not a cubicle like a little office that yeah. is empty or whatever like somebody that and you'll yeah, stay there for office. a few days or a few weeks or yeah what? exactly like depending on how much they need me so it'll be either be a few days wow. or a few weeks and then like wow. on box trolls i was like up there for like i'd be up there for like a week re-outlining some stuff and then i'd come back home for two weeks and write those pages up and like and then i mean i'd be writing in the evenings after the meetings and stuff too while i was up there but like when we are rewriting we're it's like it's a train that's moving and you it's like the track is like you're yeah. running on a track and you gotta yeah. keep like yeah there's a like, real pressure what oh do you gosh, think yeah. of, of, of staying there in portland did you like it I did like it. I mean, it's like, it's hard because my family's here and like, yeah. you know, life is here. But like, you know, if that movie had gone that I was attached to Co-Direct, we were, we were planning on moving there, you know, for that, you know, for three how or four long, years. For three, you know. that's how it would take. Interesting. <laughs> would you have sold your house here or just rented it out? I'd have rented it out, I think. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. You I know. It was like, we are having all these conversations. Yeah. And then, like, and then it's like, the longer it goes, we're like, that's probably not going to happen. We don't have to think about this right yeah, now. Just, how interesting. <laughs> That's so key, yeah, because it really takes that long, man. Oh, oh yeah, man. they're so long. And then also it's like, and there is like this weird thing in animation where like, it's not uncommon for like a movie to go through two or three directors over the course of its many years in production. So it's like, why? I mean, and I know uh, just because they're beasts and they, you know, sometimes, you know, in the same way that you're changing the story so many times over the years, sometimes you make such a drastic change that it's no longer the vision of that director and like, oh, it's yeah, just not yeah, a right yeah, fit yeah. anymore. And I've seen that happen on a lot of movies that I've been on over, I mean like, Fox Girls didn't end up with the same two directors that it started with. One of the two stayed on it, but the other one didn't. This sounds very uh, frustrating to me. It, it sounds, yeah. it does. And then like other movies up there have gone through different directors and like, you right. know, so I was like, even if I had gotten hired as the director, I was like, in the back of my head, I always knew like this might not last, even if it, I, you know, I'll do my best and I'll try to make it work. But, you know, 
you're going to be, you haven't even started and you're planning on being fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You know, but it's like, I mean, it's a weird thing. It's not like TV where you're on a show for like a year and then like, hopefully you get the second year. If you, yeah. you know, if you get one, it's like in movies, they fire and hire different writers all the time. And so yep. directors less so, but writers, it really is pretty common. Like I've been on both sides of it where it's like, I used to like take it really hard or fired off a movie. You're like, oh my uh -huh. God, did they not like the draft I did? And usually it's like, no, we liked it, but now there's a director on it and they want to take a different direction. Or yep. like, oh, the director has a friend that they want to work with as a writer, that they work with as a writer. Right. Or and I, other times I've been that guy that a director has brought on to right. rewrite somebody else and like i always try to be super nice about it now that i've seen both sides of it i'm i always try to reach out to the previous writer and be like hey i just want you to know it's in good hands or like you know uh or sometimes like if i'm the one that's fired i i reach out and be like hey if you want to know where the skeletons are buried like happy to get lunch with you <laughs> you know to, just to be like yeah the, the pitfalls to look out for you know this people is people don't the... realize that they just people on the outside just don't realize what it's actually like when you're the writer i mean you're a successful working writer and i think they have a very different vision of the reality yeah. of you know 100 percent. i didn't know. know the job was gonna be, i thought the job was going to be writing the whole time most of the job is like it's poli playing politics with like the studio and the executives and the director and like well, the, what do you mean politics uh, Get, you know? getting navigating the notes what do you mean yeah yeah i mean it's like the notes but also the personalities you know it's like a oh. lot of the job Wow. I feel like is to go in and be like to make everybody feel comfortable with where you're taking it, you know, yeah. like, you know, because you walk into a room and sometimes you could feel like, oh, the director thinks they're making a very different movie than the head of development thinks, then that's different than what the producer thinks. And that's different than what the head of the studio thinks. You know, it's like I've been in a room wow. with like where it's like Jeffrey Katzenberg is just like, guys, 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 you're all thinking about this all wrong. And you just have to be like, okay, how can I find solutions that makes everybody happy, you know, yeah. like that make everybody happy. And that that's a huge part of the job. I mean, I mean, honestly, when I did the Lego rewriting with Phil and Chris, that's what the whole job was, was just like, how do I make Warner Brothers who didn't know what they had, they thought it was like a toy commercial. They they, they were very mm -hmm. skeptical of the whole thing. Yeah, and Phil and Chris who knew, who wanted to make some beautiful art and like it was yeah. cool with cool ideas. And Lego Corporation, who wanted to make a toy commercial, yes, and um, and Lucasfilm, who didn't want their characters to be in it, and DC, who didn't know whether they should be or not. I mean, it's like, and you're just like, how do I get in a room and make every and like just like and usually like if you come up with a great gag or a great joke that like articulates the or that illuminates the the, the tone of the thing, you know, yeah. so they all go, oh, okay, that's the thing, you know. See, the, but like, the round of notes, like you're saying. Oh, it's incredible. It's un like, But from everybody and everyone's got conflicting, I don't even know, like walking into that job. Yeah. And all I care about is like, I don't want my friends Phil and Chris to think I fucked up their movie. Right. You, you know, like, because they're trusting me just to like keep it moving. And but even I they would, I would think even for them, it's like, how do I get this movie made when I have so many competing notes, and, you know? Yeah. And, well, and, they, and to their credit, they, they came up with something great, but still. That, that is... 100% to their credit, they have a genius ability to, not only are they great writers and great directors, they, I think more than that, they have this sense of how to make everybody in a room think that the ideas came from them. Oh, you yeah. know, it's like, yeah, they're great at like, they'll go into a room, I think sometimes having some ideas in their pocket, but like, mm -hmm. you know, and but there, it feels like the room came up with the ideas, you know, together. Uh -huh. And then everybody's like, yes, we did it. Pat ourselves on the back. And everybody, the executives leave happy. But like, 
but sometimes it actually does come out that, I mean, those, I, those brainstorm sessions really do create a new idea. And sometimes it's them trusting the process that that's going to work out. And sometimes I think they literally are like, well, we can go this way or this way, but I know it'll be easier if they think they had the idea. So let's go this way yeah. for now. And then later we could always, they know it's going to change a thousand times anyway in the storyboards. And then they could figure it out for real later, you know, cause See, all these people like that, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're very well paid. But in my opinion, they're earning every penny of this. Hundred <laughs> percent, they are earning every like they. It's I not that never, easy, this job. Yeah, I I feel like I'm I've gotten better over the years where I've like taken my ego out of it. I used to have a much bigger ego, you might remember, but uh, I uh, I feel like I can be like now I can just go in a room and be like I'm just gonna try to help. I'm just gonna be like how could I make everybody feel comfortable? How can I make everybody feel like we're on the right page together and create this thing? Cause I know that it's like the process is going to take years and years and it's more, the relationship is more important than the individual yes. story note right. or whatever, you know, it's right. like, that's what's going to matter mm -hmm. over the long term of this project. You know, right. it's like uh, that we all trust each other and that we can make something great together. And that's more important than like fighting for a joke or fighting for like a, or even a, even a story an idea moment. or a take yeah, or even exactly it's you're right. It's, it's about fighting the relationship. And I've said this before. It's about the relationship is the most important thing. And uh, sometimes you have to sacrifice what you think is, you know, the best story, the best moment for the relate for the, the greater good of the relationship, you know, hundred percent. hundred percent. Wow. I feel like this has been eye-opening, even for me. And I feel like my eyes are fucking opened. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I, I guess, well, I haven't, you know, we haven't worked, we've done some movie work, but um, obviously we work mostly in TV, but this, the movie side, the movie side is, was never really appealing. You know, I remember because yeah. we share the same agent uh, yeah. for our features. And I remember he gave me, a, he gave us a conversation. I was like, I don't know if I want to work in movies again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is weird. I mean, like, it's different because like in TV, you're the boss, right? I mean, yeah. when you're the showrunner. You're the uh, boss, yeah. You've, you've been that for a long time. And in movies, you're never the boss. I mean, it's like, I like I gave up on, I mean, I, I before I worked with you, I had, there was one TV show I ran and I co-ran with my friend Tim and we were the bosses and I hated it. I, I did not enjoy it. It was like all the meetings and all the decisions and the budgets and the, yeah like the interpersonal relationships and all that stuff. I was like, I was not yeah. good at it back then. And I, I don't know if I'd be better now. Um, and I just was like, you know what? I want to, I just want to like be part of a team and I want to be a writer. And it's like in movies, that's what you are. You're just part of this big team. Um, and in a different way. I mean, I guess on, a, on when you're a staff writer or coming up through the ranks in TV, you're part of a team too, but uh -huh. you can be like, you're also like a much more integral part of the team. Cause you're the one writer on it at the time, you know, or yeah. like, you know, in movies, you're like, you're, when you're the writer, you're the writer and they all look to you for that one job. Or if you're on a staff, like when I'm on yeah. a show with you or whatever, like you might look to me for one type of, you know, it's like, it's very different. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a cog in this yeah. room. You know, I just like, um, it's never like, you never have to be a hundred percent on your A game every day for, yeah. you know, you can phone it in a little bit. Coast. Wow. Mm -hmm. Adam Pavel, what an interesting conversation. This is this was enlightening for me. <laughs> Very enlightening. Fun. Yeah, yeah, man. Are you having everybody on from the old days? I, I, I saw you, I, Brian. Well, I had Alex Berger on a while oh, ago. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that script that you guys wrote together. It was, um, well, there's two things on Glenn Martin. You were always pestering me to do 
uh, musical. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, Papa, I don't know how to write a musical. And you're like, yeah. Oh, and I've like, gone on. This. this is why I'm like, I work in animated features. I've written like three musicals. Right. Since I've, you know, I fucking so love we it. let you do the movie. And I was like, dude, I don't know how to do this. So go ahead, knock, knock yourself out. That was and then fun. you guys came back with that, yeah, that Christmas episode. Which I thought you guys both hit it out of the park. I was like, let's shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> let's shoot um, it. That was, I think, probably, I think it took a, because I was all second year stuff. And it was like, yeah. it took a little bit of time to like, figure out tonally what we were doing and then yeah. like just get a little crazier and then like mm-hmm. i mean those episodes were like yeah i could be a little bit more like myself of like writing the weird stuff that i wanted to i mean the other one i remember fondly is that weird funshine episode or funshine was that the musical one or is that remember, remember that remember, was, dude funshine was the uh it was like the playing community in florida that was basically celebration florida um and it yeah, was but- like what it was like the uh they all realized everybody was on being uh drugged and were lactating out of there oh that's what that. right now i remember the guy there was a scene where there's a pregnant man or something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was fucking nuts yeah. and i was like oh now we're writing the show that i could write like the yeah. first year i think it was a little bit more like i was a little square <laughs> peg in a round hole where it was like it was a lot. I didn't have a family at the time, and it right. was a family show. It was about a dad and a mom yeah. trying to navigate their crazy kids. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck. We got crazy I, in that show. It's a shame we that never cra- went. It's yeah. a shame we didn't do more more seasons because we were nuts. That, it was um, fun. Yeah, it was, it was a fun time for sure. I got, I got some of the puppets right over there. CBC yeah, right. I got the one you gave me of me, like that one from the the college episode. Oh right, the, the college yeah, yeah. episode. That's right. We put you in a. You ran the gauntlet, I think, didn't you? I think that. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. Funny. Yeah, yeah, funny. <laughs> Adam Papa, <laughs> where can people? Is there anything you want? We, we can plug. People find you. Are you on active on social media? Is there anything? I'm not super can... active. I mean, I'm on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter, Adam Papa, or at Adam, or whatever it's called now. X. X. I'm on X. But I don't really. I'm not super active on it. Not I don't active. have anything to. The plug, plug everything I'm, everything I'm working to... on is going to come out in four years like <laughs> yeah right yeah look for adam papa in four years when something drops to the movies that's, yeah, that's yeah. the process dude thank you again so much for doing this uh, this was a really interesting conversation i haven't talked totally. to, uh, spoken to anybody about like this kind of stuff but you are a wealth of information all right yeah, that's fine everyone thank you so much until the next episode drops which will be next week keep writing This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you're interested in learning more about writing, make sure you register for Michael's monthly webinar at michaeljammin.com slash webinar. If you found this podcast helpful, consider sharing it with a friend and leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. For free screenwriting tips, follow Michael Jammin on social media at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow Phil Hudson on social media at Phil A. Hudson. This podcast was produced by Phil Hudson. It was edited by Dallas Crane. Music by Ken Joseph. Until next time, keep writing.